I think the most successful people, and we can define success in other ways than how much money you make and the type of house you live in, right? I think the most successful people are those who have overcome pressure and they're helping others in similar situations overcome the same thing. I think when you can improve your own world enough to help someone else improve theirs, that's kind of why God put us here, right? That's purpose. We're going to talk about it next. Debbie Kiley is next. The heat is on. Let's get cooking. This is Purpose Under Pressure. It's brought to you by the Ruby Group Sandler Sales Training, serving sales professionals nationwide from their Akron and Columbus, Ohio locations. They're also in Jacksonville, Florida. They are one of the highest performing Sandler Sales Training affiliates in the nation, and they will make a difference for you and most importantly, for your team. You check them out online at therubygroup.sandler.com. I hope you will. I also hope that you're enjoying this program. And if you have been, we're in our third season now. It's either good or it's not. If you like it, would you say so and follow it and maybe leave a review or give any kind of an opportunity for someone else to say that that's not a bad show. I'll check it out. That would really help me, helps others to find it. And we do appreciate your support. Welcome to the show. This is Purpose Under Pressure. I think we're going to learn a little bit today about pressure and the empathy that it builds and how living through that pressure can also make you uniquely qualified to help others do the same. And I think that's one of the most important things we can do in life. And so I'm excited to introduce you to Debbie Kiley. She's the director of Medina County Job and Family Services, and we're thrilled to have you here on Purpose Under Pressure. Good morning, Brian. Thank you. I'm I'm super jealous. I want I want headphones like what you have. Yeah, they sell them at the store. Oh my god, they're so cool and the microphone and <laughs> these are just a prop, Debbie. You can get them at Children's Palace and, and Toys R Us. They're, they're not real. Okay. I <laughs> no, yeah, just the same with the microphone. It's just it's all props. <laughs> yeah, go get yourself one. You, they're, they're, in fact, I'll buy you some for Christmas. We'll be I'll be cool like you. All right. You'd be cool like me. <laughs> so let's talk about pressure. Let's talk first about purpose. I'm interested, Debbie, and I kind of know a little bit of the backstory, which is why you're here, but I'm interested a little bit in what drives you, what motivates you, what you do, a little bit about what job and family services do, what you do. Let's set it up to what we're doing now effectively and, and, and with excellence, and then we're going to talk about the purpose and the pressure that got you here. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm the director for job and family services here in Medina County. We manage hundreds of programs. Let me just kind of sum it up that way. But the agency here in Medina County is triple combined, which means we have our child support division. That's exactly what it sounds like. We're collecting support payments from two individuals who have decided to no longer be together, but there's a child involved. And then there's also public assistance division. That is, think of your low-income programs, Medicaid, food stamps, that division administers and monitors those. And then lastly, as our child protective division, that is the division that investigates claims of abuse and neglect against youth that are under the age of 18. That's the the long and the short about what job and family services is in, is in Medina County. Um, just a quick note, in other counties, sometimes those agencies are separate. You might have one that's just public assistance, ones that's just child support. So I envy some of those sometimes because it's like, wow, you get to focus on one program. In Medina County, it can be somewhat tricky because I've got three divisions that run very differently and demand a lot of my attention. So it's that shift of, okay, I'm not, I have to think child support now. Okay, I have to think public assistance now. Okay, now I'm thinking about youth that are in crisis. So it's a dance. But I'm going to challenge you on something, and I think our listeners can understand this where they live. They're all over the place. Medina is 
a really nice community. Like you drive through and it kind of looks like a Hallmark card and it's got yeah. beautiful buildings and it looks well off, right? You've got hundreds of programs. I mean, that means there's a lot of need. What are we missing? Is there really that much need where you are? And, and if a listener is somewhere in a similar town, is there really that much need hidden? I think I had mentioned to you the other day that poverty can hide really well. I grew up a child of poverty and I grew up okay. a child of poverty in Medina County. And I actually lived in a small community that was pretty wealthy. So even as a child looking around, I knew how poor we were because I was looking at my neighbors and my friends that I hung out with for the most part. And they all had the Barbies, the Jordache jeans, the you, you, you name it. They had the, the name brand stuff and, and I didn't. And so it was really obvious how poor we were, but we hit it. Well, my mother did her best to maintain the house, kept it nice. We didn't have fancy cars or anything like that. But I think our neighbors knew that we were poor. But if I told someone where I lived, they were like, oh, oh, you, you must be just fine. And it was, was an interesting perspective as a child. And as you grow up, you start to have an adult brain and think about those things differently. But even though Medina County is an affluent county, I think our average median income is close to $75,000, if not maybe a little higher. So that's a that's a great wage. Uh, but there are pockets in Medina County, in Medina City, in Brunswick, in Wadsworth, that they don't have that median wage of $75,000. And Medina County is also very agricultural too. So if you go outside of those those kind of suburban cities of Brunswick, Medina, and Wadsworth, you're getting into the more rural communities where access to healthcare is limited, access to resources is limited. So all of those things help provide for a healthier and wealthier community. I can run to the Cleveland Clinic because it's just across the street. Not if you're in Lodi or Homerville, you can't. So maybe your health is declining. So that means your ability to work longer, harder, and maybe even educate yourself is more difficult because the, your access to resources are limited. And do you find that it's hard sometimes to get people to understand uh, you guys are, are funded by taxpayer dollars in, in a large way that there is a need? And if someone's in a town other than Medina, is it is it hard to believe that these things are going on? How can I know that these things are happening in my community? I think, and it's, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I think if you open your eyes just a little bit, you, mm. you can tell. I listened to a podcast the other day. I think it was Hidden Brain, and I probably am not going to get the story right, and I'll shorten it as best I can. But it was this analogy of this guy is standing at the bottom of the steps, and he is around poverty. He's like everyone is there is poor, is sore, and is in bad health. And there's steps that he's looking at. And at the top of those steps are wealthy people. They're singing, they're dancing, they're laughing, they're having a great time. So he decides to ascend the steps. And as he's ascending the steps, the devil comes and says, you can keep going, but I want, I want your hearing. You can keep going, but I need your hearing. And the guy's like, no, 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 for a little bit. And then he's like, okay, I'll go. You can have my hearing. So he takes his hearing goes a couple more steps and the devil stops him and says, well, you can't go any further unless I take your sight. The guy says, okay, you can take my sight. So he keeps going up the steps, goes a little further and the devil goes, nope, stop there. Uh, um, you can't go any further until I have your soul. And the guy goes, all right, you can, you can have my soul. And the guy gets to the top of the steps and he's 
within all the wealthy people and he's happy and he can see, he can hear his heart is with him. And he turns around and he looks down the steps to where he just came from. And he sees the same thing as what he's seeing now. He sees wealth. He sees happy. He sees safety. He has totally forgotten to a certain extent where he came from and he can no longer see the poverty, the injury and the unhealth. It's there. We're just not seeing it. Yeah. And and I and I've heard some people say they should just get jobs. Mm-hmm. They should just go to work. I'm doing fine. Why can't they? And and I think let's. I, I'd like. I'm interested in your thoughts on that. And then I also want to talk about your upbringing as well because I think they tie together. Why can't people just take care of themselves? Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, and, and I get it. Right. There are times where I can be frustrated, especially with maybe with someone I'm talking to who they seem educated and they seem bright and capable. And it's just like, why don't you just fill in the blank? Whatever it is. Yeah. And I think what I have been blessed with, but I think what is hard to break through is the impact that your mental health has on your ability to move forward. And it can be something not super clinical, like maybe they've been diagnosed with autism or maybe something like ADHD means something like really clinical. And maybe it's just, it can be very difficult to get past that. However you were brought up is impeding you from progress. Mm -hmm. You might not have had maybe very good parents or very good upbringing. And they told you that you weren't very good and you're stupid and you're this and you're that. And you, you can carry that for a long time. And it can be difficult to, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just go to work Um, because it's not, it can be a lot deeper than that. Yeah. There's so many different, and that's such a, an overarching response. And there's every single person has a different reality and a different situation that they're trying to deal with. And it's not fair to treat all with, with one big uh, brush. And I'm interested in you. I, I have a feeling as the director of Medina County Job and Family Services, serving these folks who are now growing up the way you did, that you had to have learned something. You had to have developed something, not even knowing it, that's allowing you to do this in such an amazing way. And we're not going to have enough time to talk about all the things that you're doing with your employees and, and in the community. Tell me a little bit about what it was what it was like growing up and how that colors your view of what needs to be done now. Sure, sure. So like I mentioned, I grew up pretty poor. And we had, we, our needs were met, but they were very basic, right? We had a roof over our head and we had food, but the luxuries of the world we didn't have. And I, I often think of this and I have shared this with other people is that even though it was a little depressing and a little disappointing as a child to look across the street and see how much better my neighbors were than, than what I felt I was. It was also a great opportunity that I didn't even know it until I became an adult that I had an opportunity to see what could be. I could see what's different. There are a lot of people in communities, not just Medina County, but throughout the world, right? That they live, they either live in poverty, they live in drug infested and violent neighborhoods, and that's all they know. And you watch the news, that's all you hear about. It was a great opportunity for me, like I said, looking back as an adult. Looking back. Yeah, to see that there, there's something else out there. And I don't know how they got it because they never shared it with me. And I don't know what they did, but I was blessed to be smart enough to, to 
have some intellect and I don't mean smart, like I figured it all out, but it was just, I was, I was blessed to be able to have that opportunity and learn from it and say, okay, I need to go to college. And I didn't go to college as a fresh out of high school kid. I worked a minimum wage job. I think I worked two or three jobs straight, straight out of high school. And then later on in like my thirties, I was like, you know what, if I want to do anything more in this life and kind of climb the corporate ladder, if you will, I need to educate myself. And at first I was a little like, oh, it's so stupid. You got to go to college just to, you know, what does college teach you? And, you know, just was a little, and I think bemoaning it because it's expensive. But um, so I went part-time little by little. I think it took me 10 years to get my four-year degree, but I was, I was blessed to have a great education. I started out at the University of Akron and then was able to get some help. And I decided to go to Baldwin Wallace, even though it was expensive, man, did I love my educational opportunity there. And now the sun is in my Yeah, the sun just came out, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were talking about great things and all of a sudden it just lit up. <laughs> right. I timed that. I was like, God, when yeah. I start talking about this, you're going to need well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, even though I was bemoaning the opportunity to go to a, to get a further education, I'm still using some of the stuff that I learned at that school here. But yeah. Even something as, as like crazy as like, I think I learned the quadratic equation, but like, even though I'm not applying that, there are theories within that that I'm using every day. Are you able, do you think that your empathy that you've developed from actually living through that, is it, is it most effective in knowing how to lead the people that are actually your employees and your, your team that is actually on, you know, boots on the ground helping these people, or is it more effective in knowing like there's how to lead, like what to do. And then there's helping the people understand because that's a hard job. Mm-hmm. Children's services, child support, working with these folks, it's difficult. Where do you think that this, that you've learned this empathy helps you be a better leader and serve people the best? Some of that empathy, I think a lot of it's from my upbringing. My mom is a very humble and kind person. And I'm sure looking back with my adult eyes on my childhood, watching her stay steadfast and Mm. not complain and not talk poorly about people and just be a good human. I learned a lot from that. And I think some of it too is just DNA. I think some of us are born. I am a trained extrovert. Like I am, I am shy Uh, by nature. So a trained extrovert. I like that. I am a trained extrovert. (laughs) I think some of some of my empathy just comes from I'm, I think I was born a compassionate person. Like I read childhood books and when a bunny didn't have a home, I was crying in my mom's lap because the bunny doesn't have a home. So it's yeah. I think some of it I come by naturally. But it's also I have had a lot of phone calls, right? I've been with the agency. It will be 31 years in November. So I have seen and heard a lot. And all of those phone calls that when I'm listening to somebody Sure. There's some times where they're telling me to go to a hot place and they are not nice to me. And there's a part of me that's just like, I, I kind of appreciate where you're coming from because you've got to be incredibly frustrated. But there are times where I have to draw the line in the sand and say, you're not going to talk to me like that. Let's terminate this conversation. We'll, we'll talk later. But I had a conversation with a woman just yesterday who is utterly exhausted with this child she has custody of. And she's doing her absolute best for this kid. But she is she's exhausted. And so she was really mad at me when I first picked up the phone and she was a bit sarcastic and Mm -hmm. sharing some things with me. And there are a couple of times where she said something about the laws and the rules. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. 
I don't disagree, but I didn't get to write the rules. So let's talk about what we can do as opposed to what we can't do. Say on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day, we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're going to lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. And you talk about being there for 31 years and you talk about talking with these these folks. You're you're the director and yet you're talking with people. And I think that's an amazing thing. I've heard a lot of good things about you as a leader, but I'm also interested in the fact that you didn't just walk out of college and become a leader like you. Tell me your story from, we know that you grew up in a disadvantaged situation. We know you put yourself through college. Now you are very successful at the highest end of the county government. It's okay to say that. How'd you do that? Oh. You worked your way up all the way through, didn't you? Yeah. And you don't hear that that very often. Tell me that story. Yeah. So, um, like you said, put myself through college and I actually started here as a clerk. I think that's amazing. Yeah. It was not an exciting job. I was pushing a lot of paper, right? But I, I just always had this desire, especially as I got to understand the system and understand processes. And when I started to have to read the Ohio Revised Code, which is a treasure hunt to begin with, but I liked it. I was like, oh, oh, so I'm reading this section and that means it's asking me to refer to this section. So then I got to go to that one and then I got to go to this one. That that whole treasure hunt, I, I, I love doing. I, it still fascinates me. So then after I was uh, a clerk, then I became a caseworker. So I was managing those public assistance programs that my workers do now. I uh, did that for several years. And when I think about myself as a child, as when I look at my childhood as an adult, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I always wanted to be a teacher. I always, I always loved sharing information. Even when I was a kid and we went to, I had that chance to go to Kennedy Space Center because my grandparents lived in Florida and we visited there. And I was like, snappy, snappy with pictures. And I came back and I couldn't wait to share what I learned about the Kennedy Space Center with my best friends. And of course they were all rolling their eyes because they had zero interest, but <laughs> I was compelled to share with them. So I think that innate compassion in me, as well as wanting to teach and learn, just gave me those building blocks for, okay, now I'm going to not be a caseworker anymore. A supervisor position came, op came open and let me share this. A supervisor position came open one time. I didn't get it. Someone else got it two times. I didn't get that one either. Nope. Four times. Nope. The fifth time I finally got it. So it was. Most people leave. Most yeah. people just say, nope, they don't want me and they're gone. You stuck it out. Yeah. Yeah. I stuck it out because, and I remember one of a, a peer of mine after, I think it was the third time I didn't get it. And there, there was a lot of seniority ahead of me. So there was a part of me that was like, yeah, I get it. She's probably going to be the next, or that person's going to be the next because they've been here longer. And I remember one, one of my peers came up to me after I didn't get it like the third time and they were, they were angry for me and they wanted they wanted me to be angry with them. And they were like, that's just unfair. And I can't believe it's not you. It should be you. And I remember telling her, it's just like, I'm, I'm having a great opportunity. Sure. It stings that I didn't get it, but I'm having a great opportunity at looking at those who went before me and I'm learning, watching them. 
not only what to do, but also what not to do. Like when I'm a leader, I'm because I will be a leader. I was convinced of that. I didn't know where I was going to do it, but I was like watching them. And it was just like, okay, I don't, I don't, I'm seeing the ripple effect because I'm part of that peer group that your decisions are impacting. And it's just like, let me, I, I solemnly swear that when I become a leader, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make those decisions. I'm not going to say that. And not that that makes me infallible. I'm sure plenty of people outside this door would be like, Debbie Kylie, why'd you do that? <laughs> but I'm trying to make, I try to make those the best decisions I possibly can with as much information as I possibly can. You can ask any of my staff that, Dan, when you're coming to Debbie and you're asking for something, you better have your data with you. And not because I'm a jerk, but it's just like that helps me make a good decision. What drove you to become, to want to become a leader? I, I think people put people in boxes. So you grew up disadvantaged and poor, mm-hmm. and now you're a leader, but you had to fight your way to get there. And I think a lot of people say, no, she's always going to be this or, you know, my child does this. And so she's always going to be that. But you've kind of overcome the entire gamut to go from one spot to another. What drove you to want to be a leader and not just to have enough food on the table? Because it's the opportunity to do the right thing. It's the opportunity to look at a look at a system, look at the possibilities of that system and I want to, I believe I was put on this earth to do a lot of good things. So I better go about the business of doing them. And however, however that happens, right? I don't, I remember thinking when my former, my predecessor made just a small comment about Debbie, when I leave, I'm going to make a recommendation that it be you for director. And I remember almost swallowing my tongue. I was like, I don't director material. Are you crazy? There are still days where I walk in the door and I'm like, I can't believe I run this place because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. Right. But it's a scary one. But you know what, Brian, I don't, I don't know that I have been that person who was, I wanted to lead because I, I think of my compassionate nature and it's just like, yeah, I want to help. I want to do the right thing. I want to be out there, but it was never like, I'm going to, I'm going to lead because I'm going to take over this world. I'm going to. That's right. It was never with bite. It was with compassion. And, and and that's what I see sometimes. I see, and I don't see this with everybody, but a lot of, we go to college, young people go to college now and they immediately want to stay in for the MBA and they immediately want to stay in for the doctorate so that they can just go out and get the highest paying job immediately. And I think that works in some places. I, I don't know why, but I think it does. But I look at you and I see all the work that you put in. Even I look at me owning my own company now. People say, don't you wish you'd have done this earlier? No, I wasn't ready. I, yeah. I had to pay my dues, man. I had to learn this stuff. I had to figure all this out. Otherwise, how would I know what to do and how what businesses are struggling with and how to understand? So you lived it and you went through it. I'm interested as we wrap up. You are put together and you're in a high spot and you're well paid and you're successful. Okay, let's just call it that. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Someone drives by, sees you and says, wow, she's put together. She's in a high spot. She's successful. No way she grew up poor. And there's probably no chance. We started the show about this, where people just ignore and can't see what's really happening. What last bit of advice would you have for someone who's driving through or in their own community thinking, look, everything's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by highly successful, wonderful people. What are they missing? I think even highly successful people have a story and there's something behind them. And maybe it's tragic. Maybe it's not. And there are some things I frust- get frustrated with, like you said, like people will see me as director and make some pretty 
maybe inaccurate judgments and also make judgments about like, oh, she was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. So of yeah, course she got that. that. And it's just like, whoa, 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 what, what? It must be horrible company to live with a green eyed monster. I, I, I don't understand that how people, society period has this chip on their shoulder about what somebody else has that they don't. Um, so I get, I can be a little frustrated with that because like what you said, it's just like, you have no idea what I've had to go through. And that's just my childhood. Don't let's, you know, pain and, and frustrations and hardships don't stop when you turn 18. They keep, they keep coming at you. I mean, we could talk about my late forties and fifties. Yes. I just told you that I'm <laughs> I'm not editing that out. Debbie. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> numbers getting older. So I or bigger. So, um, but, but those things don't, don't, don't stop. They keep coming at you. I don't think it's any, it's certainly no secret because if you turn on the TV, you can see the hardships that communities across the world are suffering with mental health, drug use and abuse, and it does not discriminate. There are some wealthy people that have some pretty difficult substance use disorders that they're trying to deal with and different mental health stuff that they're trying to deal with. So I think if everybody would just have a bit of grace for everyone here. And, and I think Medina County is, is anybody who drives through here or anybody that lives here that maybe had that preconceived idea is just like a median, they're looking at statistics, right? And I get it. Median income is 75,000. There's 182,000 people. So we're a, a larger County, but we're not super big. And the median income is 75,000. We're fine. Mm-hmm. As of not too long, there's been individuals that are on the street there's a gentleman now who is on the street and he chooses to be there and he's allowed to be there because he's not harming. He's, he's actually a very nice gentleman. He's not out harming anybody. He's not a harm to himself yet because it's not super cold out, but he wants to live on the street and he has two grocery carts full of stuff. That's his house. And he rolls through Medina County. You see him all the time. And he's just carrying his stuff from place to place and he'll find shelter when it rains. And he has an umbrella, literally someone probably, or maybe he bought it. I don't know, but somebody has donated him a patio umbrella. So he carries that with him and he'll pop it open when it's super hot out. Um, I don't know his story other than he, someone like that probably is suffering from a lot of mental health stuff because one would think you wouldn't want to live outside when it's really hot and rainy or, when it gets really cold out, we'll have to step in because now he's going to harm himself because it's really cold out. But I think, I think that's, that is hopefully a little bit of a wake up call for people in the community that maybe have blinders on and not, and I'm not judging them. Right. I'm, I'm Mm-mm. no, that's the way we are. That's just yeah. the way it, where it is. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I get it. Cause you know what, there are, I'm in the business of how can I help this person? And even there's so many things that I, that, I'm not able to help him with because there are limitations across the board. I can't imagine if I'm someone who doesn't know all the programs that are available and you're driving down the street and you see him, you almost don't want to look at him because it's like, I don't know how to help him. I mean, I just, I don't know. And, and I think that's how he gets a lot of his stuff is people go, I don't know how to help you, but here's a gift card to target for $25. Go buy food, go buy whatever, because he refuses to have housing and he's allowed, but it's also, you know, I can't help but feel bad for him because it's like, what's what's going on, sir, that you don't want to have a roof over your head? Everyone has a story. I thank you for sharing yours. I, I think that if we've done anything today, one, I wanted people to understand what it takes to build 
a leader, that empathy that that you have. I, I just think that I think somehow the best leaders have it. They're not just doing a job. They're living a life on purpose. And I think you're doing that. I thank you for sharing that story. If there's people that are maybe waking up a little bit by listening to this and saying, you know, I wonder about my neighbor or my uncle's you know, second daughter. I, I wonder if I should be thinking about this. How would they get in touch with, with you or your organization to, to try to make a difference if they see one? Sure, sure. They can always contact me. My direct office line is 330-661-0831. And if they don't want to have a conversation and they're just like, I just kind of want to poke around a little bit, but I don't want to talk to anybody, um, they can go directly to our website, which is um, mcjfs.us. And there's tons of resources. You've helped me with some content in there, too. So I appreciate that. There's no wonder it looks amazing. Um, and and that's a great way to like poke around and just kind of understand like what's out there and what all the programs are. But I'll, I'll admit that when you get in there and you're looking at the stuff, because we manage so much, it might be a little <laughs> overwhelming. So if you're looking at that website and you're like, now I don't, I'm even more lost, pick up the phone and call me. Folks, that's a leader. That's a leader that just said, just let me know. How can I help? She understands it. She gets it. She's lived it. She's overcome it. And she's helping other people do the very same thing. I think that's the definition of a leader in any organization. And, and Debbie, thank you for the changes that you're making within your organization, on the streets of your town, and, and in your life. Like you said, you just keep on fighting and keep on getting better. And, and I know you will. And I thank you for sharing that very vulnerable story. And I know it's going to help others. So thank you for being our guest. Yeah, you're most welcome. Sure, Brian. That's Debbie Kiley. She is the director of Medina County Job and Family Services. I wanted you to meet her. I wanted you to feel the empathy that she's grown up with and that she's turned into something good. And I hope that it impacts you and maybe your organization and your team. So thank you for listening to that. And thank you for being a part of this show. It is brought to you by the Ruby Group, Sandler Sales Training. Sellers are under pressure to perform. Sandler helps you succeed on purpose. Folks, I think everything is sales. I think when you take care of people, you find problems, you identify opportunities, and you help them to solve those issues. That's sales. If that's you, get in touch with the Ruby Group and Mike Jones and Ken Guest and the gang. So you'll find all past episodes of Purpose Under Pressure at brianmediastrategies.com slash podcast. And wherever you stream your podcasts, we do this every week. And we will see you next time on Purpose. 